Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. We have recently moved our Sunday services and midweek connect groups online to help stop the spread of coronavirus. Join us for Church at Home this Sunday by logging on to christchurchlondon.online.church at 10am, 11am, 5pm, 7pm or 8pm for worship, prayer and our weekly sermon. We're now going to hear the talk from this week's Church at Home service. We're taking a week out from our Good Fruit series because as we have already heard, we want to call the church to a day of prayer and fasting for our city, our nation and our world. You of course don't need me to remind you that right now our world is facing significant challenges. We are in the midst of a global pandemic, but in addition to that, the heartbreaking stories of the last couple of weeks have really shone a light on issues of racial injustice and inequality and violence in a way that frankly cannot be ignored. I know that my heart's cry, and I'm sure yours as well, has been that something needs to change. Enough is enough. And of course, there are plenty of things that we should all be thinking about and speaking about and doing. But one of the things that we as the church need to do is channel that heart cry into prayer. And of course, prayer is something that matters to us all the time. We do it regularly as part of our church life. We've just come out of a great week of prayer where we've focused on many of these subjects. But there are times where God calls us not just to pray as part of the general rhythm, but to pray with more intensity and more focus. And often in scripture, times like that, prayer is coupled with fasting. But I'm aware that maybe for some of you, fasting is a new concept. Maybe it's something you've never tried before. And so I just want to take, say, 10 minutes or so just to talk a little bit about fasting today. Clearly, I won't get to cover everything that I would need to say, but I did actually preach on this subject last year. And you can find the link to it in the notes tab uh, on the side of the screen. Do check that out for a more full treatment. In that talk, I talk a little bit about what fasting is, why we do it, how we can practice it regularly. I also make some comments um, which may be helpful for you if you have a difficult relationship with food. So check out that talk. I hope you'll find it useful. But one thing I didn't really get to address there, which I want to today, is the importance of fasting at moments of crisis. See, if I were to define fasting, quite simply, I would say it's this. It is going without food for a spiritual purpose. And in particular, going without food for the purpose of prayer. But it's not just the case that in fasting, we we don't eat for a while so that we can replace the time spent with eating with, with praying instead. It is that, but it's actually something more than that. Because it's not just that we fast so that we can pray. Fasting is in itself a kind of prayer. It's a way in which we bring together every part of of what makes us a whole. Our body, our mind, our thoughts, our words. We bring it all together in one great expression of prayer. Scott McKnight puts it like this in his brilliant book on fasting. He says, fasting is the body talking what the spirit yearns, what the soul longs for and what the mind knows to be true. It is body talk for the person, the whole person, to express herself or himself completely. Fasting is one way that you and I bring our entire selves into complete expression. I love that. Fasting is a way of of praying with every part of ourselves. And in scripture, people fast in different ways and for different lengths of time. Some people maybe fast for a limited amount of time, 12 hours, 24 hours, maybe for a longer period, three days, seven days, uh, 21 days, 40 days even. And some of those reasons for fasting are, are they're preparatory. 
So Moses, for example, fasts for 40 days preparing to meet with God. Jesus fasted 40 days preparing for ministry. But I put it to you that actually most examples of fasting in scripture are not preparatory, they're more responsive, we might say. That is, it's when people or communities recognise there is something evil in the world, there is something wrong, there is something painful, and their response to that is to cry out with an intensity of prayer that is coupled with fasting. And I want to look at just a couple of examples of that in scripture. Clearly, I won't be able to tackle them all in any great depth today, but I just want to throw out a few examples. And it may well be that you resonate with one or two or maybe all of these. And I want to encourage you to use these as ways of praying and fasting this coming week. The first example we see of responsive fasting is fasting as grieving sickness and death. There are loads of examples of this in scripture. Actually, I'm just reading the story of David right now. And in 1 and 2 Samuel, we see countless times where he actually prays and fasts because people are suffering sickness or because people have died. And fasting seems to be a great way of of expressing something of the pain that you are feeling at a heart level or an emotional level, connecting it with a, a sort of pain in your body as well, in order to express that deep ache to God and cry out for him to comfort us, to bring healing, and ultimately to bring about the new creation where there'll be no more sickness, no suffering, no pain or death. It strikes me that as we pray and fast this coming Thursday, this is a powerful thing to bear in mind. We are praying and fasting because of the grief that we are experiencing through this world full of sickness and death. I think if the COVID-19 pandemic has taught us anything, it's that we as humans are relatively powerless in the face of sickness and death. And fasting is a way of recognising that powerlessness and coming to the God who is powerful crying out to him to heal and restore and ultimately to put this whole world to rights. So the first example we see is fasting as a grieving and mourning over sickness and death. But a second example is this, fasting as repentance for sin. There are various stories and examples in scripture of times where individuals or communities become aware that the ways they have been living have been displeasing to God and have perpetrated injustice. And a proper response to that is to cry out to God for forgiveness, often by means of prayer accompanied with fasting. One example of this is the story of Jonah, where in Jonah chapter 3, the people of the city of Nineveh become aware that the ways they have been living have been displeasing to God and dishonouring to others. And so they cry out to God for forgiveness through prayer and fasting. And what I find fascinating is that nobody told them to do that. Jonah didn't say to them, this is how you respond to my message. It seemed to be just kind of intuitive for them. It's as if when confronted by the depths of their need for forgiveness, it just evoked this hunger for righteousness, for forgiveness. And so they expressed that longing through prayer and physical hunger, fasting. And of course, because God is loving and kind and merciful, he pours out his love. He pours out his forgiveness and the power to change. And maybe for some of us, these last couple of weeks have been difficult because we have taken the time to look inside our own hearts and maybe we've not liked what we have seen. 
just speaking personally, over these last couple of weeks, I have found that it's been an intensification of a journey that I've been on for a while and, and that many of you have helped me in through education and conversation and prayer, a journey of self-reflection and of prayerfully asking God to reveal within me any ways that unconsciously I have failed to fully reflect through my life and my words and my leadership, the full, beautiful heart of Jesus towards all people. And of course, as you grapple with big questions about your own privilege and your own bias, those can be difficult and painful things to do. But it's a necessary pain to go through. And fasting can be a great way of actually embodying that process of self-reflection, of grieving, of lament, of confession and of repentance. And also of receiving forgiveness from God. Because as we become aware of the painful realities of our own failure, then expressing that through pain of fasting can be a great way of just asking God to fill us with his forgiveness and to empower us for righteousness. Now, maybe that's not been where you are at. Uh, maybe that doesn't resonate with you. But if it does, then I hope that you find the practice of fasting and praying on Thursday is a great way of you expressing your need for forgiveness and also inviting God to fill you with power to change. A third aspect I want to look at is fasting as solidarity with the oppressed. The prophet Isaiah talks about this in chapter 58, where he says that true fasting, the kind that really delights God, is to loose the chains of injustice, to set the oppressed free, to share your food with the hungry, to clothe the naked. In other words, the kind of fasting that pleases God is not fasting just as a religious sort of tick box exercise. It's fasting accompanied with action. Fasting in which we recognise the needs that others have that we may not have ourselves, but we stand in solidarity with them and we commit to pouring out our lives on their behalf. As we come to pray and fast on Thursday, this is a chance for those of us who actually are suffering very little right now to stand with those of us in our community and in our world who are suffering far more. To express solidarity, to recognise their pain and to bring it to God in prayer and also to commit ourselves to loving and serving those who are facing oppression and injustice. And for those people who are suffering far more, I hope that you will find this to be a helpful experience because it is a very physical demonstration that the community you are part of sees you, loves you and is willing to stand with you in your pain. Not because we think that we have the answers to the suffering that you are going through, but because we want to together come to the one who does have the answers, Jesus himself. The fourth and final aspect of fasting I want to look at is fasting as prayer for protection and victory. There are countless stories in scripture of times where the people of God have faced seemingly impossible situations, threats of violence or, or threats against their life, and they have cried out for God to do what seems impossible and to rescue them, and time and again he comes through for them. A great example of this is the story of Esther, where Esther and Mordecai become aware that a guy called Haman is plotting to kill all the Jewish people in this just abhorrent racist act. And so in desperation, they cry out to God. And Esther plans to go to the king to seek justice, but she knew that this was a risky move. And so they call the whole Jewish people to three days of prayer and fasting before she goes to the king. She does what she can to get justice, but they also cry out to God to do what only he can. And of course, he breaks through, he brings justice, he rescues his people. 
Fasting is a brilliant way of just expressing our utter powerlessness in the face of just seemingly impossible situations and crying out for God to intervene. Fasting is not just about us expressing our own powerlessness, it's also about us invoking the power of God. And as we look at a world right now that is full of sickness and pain and death and injustice, very often I can feel utterly powerless. I know I need the power of God. I know that we need the power of God to work in us and work through us to do miracles that we could not achieve without him. We need his kingdom to come. And so when we fast and pray on Thursday, it's not just about confession, it's not just about solidarity, it's not just about processing pain, it's about inviting the power of God to break in and heal our world. When we fast in response to crisis, I think God's response to us is often that he comes through in miracles. When the church gives itself to prayer, then that provides an opportunity for God to move. Think about Isaiah 58, in which I read earlier. It says that if we give ourselves to true, genuine fasting, then, God says, your light will break forth and your healing will appear. Then your righteousness will go before you. The Lord will guide you. He will satisfy your needs and strengthen your frame. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins. When the church gives itself to fasting and prayer, then God often moves in power. And so when we pray on Thursday, we are invoking the power of God. We are asking for his kingdom to come, to align us with him and to turn us into being the kind of community that is able to, as Isaiah says, rebuild the ancient ruins. We are asking for God to work in us and through us for his glory. Think about Jesus' own experience. It was after fasting for 40 days in the wilderness that in Luke 4, he comes back and we're told he is in the power of the Spirit. And he reads those famous words from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. When we pray and fast like Isaiah 58, God empowers us to live like Isaiah 61. And honestly, I don't know that you can get to that second part without going through the first. Because if we want to be able to say, like Jesus, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon us to preach and be good news to a hurting world, then we also need to, like Jesus, give ourselves to prayer and fasting. Would you do that this week? I don't know if one particular aspect of today's talk has resonated with you. Maybe a few of them did. My expectation is that each of us will engage with fasting in slightly different ways, depending on our circumstances, our experience of what God is doing within us personally right now. That's totally fine. Engage with it however you need to, but let's do it together and let's do it this Thursday. It may be that you've never fasted before. I'd suggest check out that talk that I gave last year. I hope you find it helpful and practical. You may just want to start with one meal or two meals, ideally fast for the whole day and then join us for the prayer meeting at 8 p.m. Or perhaps you have fasted before, but you feel like God is stirring you to do it with more focus in this season. And you may want to fast for a longer period or commit to doing this as a regular discipline. However we pray and fast, let's make sure we do as a community. And as we do so, I believe we're giving God an opportunity to fill us afresh with his spirit and use us for his glory. So why don't I just pray for us before we end in worship? You may want to close your eyes as I lead us. Lord God, you promised 
that if we humble ourselves and pray, you would hear from heaven, forgive our sins and heal our land. And so right now we take you at your word. We humble ourselves and we cry out for you. In fact, this week we particularly choose to humble ourselves through fasting. And we pray that as we do that, you would fill us with your spirit and use us for your glory. Where we need forgiveness, would you pour it out in abundance? Where we lack power, would you clothe us with your power? And where we need healing from hurt and pain and sickness, would you bring that healing in Jesus' name? We pray that you would do what only you can do and that you would heal our city, our nation and our world. Lord Jesus, would your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. And I pray it would start right here in our hearts. Would your kingdom come and your will be done in our hearts as in heaven. Would you fill us with your spirit and use us for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this talk from the Christchurch London podcast. To hear other talks or find out more about our Sunday services, head to ChristchurchLondon.org.